Our reading this our reading this morning is from Luke chapter two on page one oh two eight of the Church Bibles. Luke chapter two and I've been asked to read from verse twenty two. And with Ebby's permission I might ask him, can I read from verse twenty one? If that's okay. <clears throat> So page 1028, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Amen.
Thank you, thank you, Donald. Um, it's a, it's really great to be back home, um, even after spending a year and four months in Ethiopia. Still, Ireland is still home, uh, and uh, it's really great to see you all this morning. And uh, it's a, quite a privilege uh, to open God's Word with the, with you this morning. Um, we're going to look uh, what Donald read to us from Luke chapter 2, and uh, uh, we're going to focus on the story of Simeon. Uh, let's ask the Lord's help. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you uh, knowing that you're a God who created uh, everything uh, by your word, who brought uh, this whole universe from an existence by s speaking to it. And uh, your word became flesh and gave us life. And this morning, uh, we come to you again, asking that, that you'd speak to us. And you'd open our eyes and hearts and so that we'd see what you have to say to us this morning. Um, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Waiting is not easy, is it? Um, whether it's uh, waiting for the preacher to start his sermon or to get to his main point, or most importantly, to finish his sermon. Um, probably some of you have already had done your waiting this morning. Probably I can imagine some of you sat in your car waiting. We're going to be late. Are you coming? Um, we do waiting in a different aspect of life, but we don't feel that comfortable. Whether we are waiting for the bus, or waiting for our hospital appointment, or waiting to get that result from our blood test, it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us frustrated. We'd feel power powerless. Uh, one writer said, uh, our hatred of waiting may be a reaction to the existential crisis that all we might have in life is to watch time pass without our ability to do anything about it. This is a, a very secular explanation about waiting. But waiting has also some spiritual component in it. Um, the, especially when, when we relate with a God who created time, but whose timeless himself, how can we get into his calendar? Because our calendar has yesterday, which is already gone, leaving us with some regrets. And we have today. We hurry to get things done. Sometimes we panic because we're not doing it on time. And there's tomorrow. We don't know about it. It makes us anxious. But God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow 
as a point. There's no yesterday with him. He doesn't rush to, 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 take, to, to get things done on today. He knows the future. He doesn't wait until things unfold. He's God. And how could we relate with such a God? By waiting. By waiting. All the Old Testament figures, if you've seen their story, they all waited. Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, they waited 25 years for their promised son Isaac to come. Joseph waited for years to see what God told him in his dreams to come to reality. Moses, he waited 40 years in the wilderness until that call for ministry comes from God. And the Israelites, they spend 40 years in the wilderness until they get to the promised land. Job waited through suffering until God's visit. And David, after being anointed to be the king of Israel, waited 15 years to get to the throne. Their waiting was not easy. That's why we read in the Bible like most of them praying, crying out, how long, O Lord, how long? Especially when I read the, the prophecy of Habakkuk. It has only three chapters, but he starts by saying, how long, O Lord? Then in the second chapter, he says, I will stand at my watch post. And I will wait to see what the Lord will say to me. Um, I don't need to tell you about the meaning of Advent or how waiting is at the heart of Christmas. Um, I came across this uh, Advent song, uh, Waiting for Christmas. It, says, it has these verses. Every Advent we count the days to Christmas. And the, the, the time seems to stretch far away, but the waiting is like a gift from heaven, time to pray for peace on Christmas Day. What Luke presents us here in this, in this verses is uh, someone who's like the last watchman of the Old Testament, Simeon. Probably he would be a great model for us on waiting. Uh, let's start from the first verses. Uh, Luke tells us that Jesus was brought to the temple by his uh, parents. Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple. It's, he's, he, he, he presents it as a low-key moment that every faithful Jewish parents do for their firstborn son. But... That child, Mary and Joseph brought, is the Word who became flesh, is God Himself. If you remember, there was a promise long time ago by the prophet Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. God 
himself came to his temple as a baby. It was a significant moment. Then we should ask, who was waiting for him? Who was waiting for him at the temple? If you happen to be at the temple that day, when Jesus was brought, business is going as usual. There were sellers and buyers, and there were the priests doing their usual duty. None of them were expecting anything except one old man who was standing at the corner, staring at the gate, who's coming and who's going. It's a, it amazes me when I read the, the, the story of the wise men, the, the Magi's, like in, in, in Matthew. Do you remember? They came from east looking for the newborn king. And they went straight to the palace in Jerusalem. And there was chaos in the palace. The king was disturbed. So he called for all the religious leaders. Would you explain to me? Is there a king? Is there a Jewish king being born? And the high priests and the teachers of the law gathered and they opened the Bible. Of course, they said. Yes, the Bible says he would be born in Bethlehem. And what baffled me is like those religious leaders, they showed the way to Bethlehem to those strangers. Themselves, they remained in Jerusalem. Why did they not follow them? Why did not they go to them to see the newborn king? Hmm. As the Bible says, they rejected what God has prepared for them. They were busy in what they were doing in Jerusalem, so they didn't go to Bethlehem. So they missed the Messiah. In this passage, we see two faithful ones, Simeon and Anna, who were, who were waiting for the Messiah. Let's have a look at Simeon a bit closer. Simeon, the last watchman. First, we're going to see his character. Because it seems like Luke wants us to notice that this man is quite unique. Uh, in our translation, verse 25 starts saying, uh, Now there was a man in Jerusalem. In the, in the King James translation, it says, and behold, there is a man in Jerusalem. Behold, give attention. This man is not like the others. You have to notice this too. Simeon and Anna, and their exemplary, exemplary characters. In a time where there is evil spread in the whole nation. And in a time where all the religious leaders were corrupted by what's happening around them, there's these two who, has, who have exemplary characters. It's like the Old Testament has a word for them, remnant, remnant. Uh, one Bible dictionary defines remnant as those who remain faithful to God despite suffering and who ultimately experience restoration. These two are old, as Luke presented them. Uh, 
They have a worn out body, but they have a strong heart full of love for the Lord. They're still, they were still righteous and devout. Uh, my dad turned 75 in, in May. Um, my mother was telling me about his, some strange routine. Uh, every two weeks, she said, he has a prayer meeting. Early in the morning, they go at five. And the prayer meeting is held in a small mountain top. So he hikes on the mountain early in the morning, and he meets the others for prayer. I think he's the only one above 50. Uh, I envy him. If I'm doing that at 75, Edwina would be the lucky woman. Um, this too, despite their age, despite their weakness, they have something to show to us. Uh, Simeon is said to be righteous, holy, set apart, uncorrupted by his time, and devout. Even though he's old, his passion to, to worship and serve God is still there. Exemplary characters. Um, let's have a look at his waiting. Uh, in, in, in verse five, uh, 25, uh, we read that uh, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. The, the, the waiting is his uh, lifelong duty. He's been doing that for years. Um, one commentary put it like this. His life firmly is focused on the promised future intervention of God on behalf of his people. He's totally different from his contemporaries. All the others were busy in what they were doing, but Simeon was waiting. When I stretch my imagination, I see the Pharisees coming, knocking on his door. Simeon, you are a very learned man. You know the law of Moses more than anyone else. Why don't you join us? Why don't you come to the Sanhedrin? You'd have a high chair. You'd be teaching others. And you'd have a respect in the society. You'd be famous. I would imagine Simeon would answer, No, I'm waiting for the Messiah. Or, in other instances, the Sadducees, those rich priests, aristocracies, would come knocking on his door. Simeon, why don't you come and why don't you associate with us? Would, uh, you'd have money and you'd have the comfort of uh, respected priestly, priestly life. Simeon's response would be, no, I'm waiting for the Messiah. Or, in another instant, the zealots, those militant groups, would come knocking on his door, saying, why don't you join our political and military effort to overthrow the rule of the Romans? You'd have power. Again, 
Simeon would say, no, I'm waiting for the Messiah. I don't think that waiting was easy for him with all these temptations. It's, it's the same for us as well. While we wait for the Lord, fame would come, money, wealth, or power would come knocking us, knocking on our doors. But we wait for Christ himself because he is our fullness. As uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, in the, in, the, in the message translation says this, everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Hmm. There is a secret behind um, Simeon's faithful waiting. As we read in uh, verses 25 to 27. In these verses, three times Luke mentions the Holy Spirit. In verse 25, um, after introducing Simeon, he says, The Holy Spirit was upon him. And in 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple's courts. While he was waiting for the consolation, the comforter was with him. The comforter was with him. Holy Spirit was, him, was, was with him, guiding him and empowering him. Then comes his consolation. Consolation means simply comfort. Uh, let me read two verses from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And if you ask, where does this comfort come? Isaiah has something to say in chapter 51, verse 3. Isaiah 51, verse 3. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion and on all her ruins. He'll make her deserts like Eden, her westlands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. This is the comfort, the consolation Simeon was waiting. Because he has seen all the ruins of the, his nation. They've lost their political power. They were under the rule of the Romans. There's no king. There's no one sitting on the throne of David. That has been cut off. Most of them think of the old glorious days where the Lord used to speak to them directly. But that is now gone. There's corruption in the temple. 
There is corruption in the, in the leaders in the political realm. There is corruption in the society. In Jeremiah's, in Jeremiah's words, if you read Jeremiah 5.1, it says, Go out and look everywhere, all in the, all the streets of Jerusalem, if you can find one honest man who's been truthful. It seems like everyone's fallen. Sin has clouded the whole nation. There's sadness, there's poverty, there's suffering, there's pain all over the nation. During that time, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of the nation. He was waiting. Then that consolation came in the form of a baby. Verse 27 when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I can imagine the reverence, the joy in Simeon's heart while holding the Messiah in his arms. What glorious moment! What consolation. There are four things that we read about consolation in the next verses from verse 29 to 30. Verse 29, peace, sovereign Lord. So you have promised us, you have promised you now dismiss your servant in peace. There is peace. Simeon got to experience the messianic peace as he was holding the promised son of God. Peace now is here. Then, in verse 30 and 31, salvation. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Salvation for all. Redemption has come. Because God has sent his son. Then light, in verse 32, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. There will be no more darkness. The Lord has given light through his son. Then verse 32, glory. And for glory to your people Israel. They have seen a lot, those people. They have passed through a lot, but now a glorious moment has arrived in the form of Christ. That's why John tells us, we have seen his glory. God gave glory to his people through his son. Then we see Simeon's prophetic words. He has something to say as... Uh, the, the Mary and Joseph looks at him marveled. Joseph has some, some, some words to say. This child, in verse 34, it says, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thought of many hearts will be revealed and sword will pierce your own soul too. 
Simeon is speaking like the Old Testament prophets in a form of judgment and salvation. There's judgment and there's and salvation. There's a falling and rising. As Isaiah said, anyone who stumbles on this rock would fall. Anyone who climbs on this rock would be saved. Judgment and salvation. And in the midst of this, there's sword, there's days. Christmas is a, a joyful story, but also there's some sober message in it. The child who's born now, he has come to die on the cross. Mary is going to see that. She's going to experience that. And many of them would see that. And for most, that would be a stumbling block. The cross would be a sign of foolishness for most. But for some, it's a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of salvation. Uh, how do we respond to this sign? How do we respond to this cross? That determines where we, whether we are destined for salvation or judgment. As we sang earlier, we should all say in all our hearts, Jesus, take away every darkness. Study my simple footsteps that I might in your goodness Live as a child of God, our waiting. Live as a child of God. Uh, I'm going to finish by saying a few words about our waiting and consolation. Uh, in First Peter verses five and six, uh, we are reminded while we're waiting uh, the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. In the last time, Peter wants us to notice. Now, he says, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There's no guarantee that our waiting would be easy. There are temptations. The world would come knocking on our doors, offering us uh, an instant gratification in the form of fame, money, power. Sometimes we give in. We would start to follow our hearts and we chase fame or wealth or comfort in this world. But the good thing is there is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is with us to renew us, to bring us back, to make us righteous and devout again. Or when we are passing through all the suffering, when we see all the pain around us, we cry, how long, O Lord? How long? Sometimes all the suffering and the pain would take away our peace and joy. But... Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to him. He is our ultimate joy and peace. And we wait for his second coming. We wait for him. 
as Revelation 7 says, one day we'll be before the throne of God and the lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd and he will lead us to spring of living water and God will wipe away every tears from our eyes. So, my brothers and sisters, wait faithfully. Wait for your consolation. He'll come again. Let's pray. Lord, we say amen again. We say Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. We live in a broken world with broken bodies. We see all the suffering and pain around us. Even as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, there are things that trouble us. There are things that try to steal our peace and joy. So again this morning, we pray, Lord Jesus, come. Come again. And we pray that you'd help each one of us as we wait for your coming, that your spirit would be with us, would comfort us, would give us strength in all, in everything we do, in all our walk of life. We commit our lives to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to sing... Um, one